Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Humans of James River. I am your host, Ava McHugh. Thank you for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Laser Accuracy. When I created this idea, I knew that I would be grateful for this podcast and these connections that I've had the opportunity to create. But today I'm feeling extra grateful because I get to learn more about people that I see every single day. Please take this as a reminder that the people you see every day have much more to their story than you may think. Today, you'll be hearing from a 17-year-old girl. All right, so my childhood was always kind of messy in regards to my family, but I feel like that wasn't really the start of everything that happened. Yeah, so my parents got divorced when I was young, and then my mom got remarried, and like, we did not get along with my stepfamily at all, and it kind of created this tension and just conflict in my house, and it kind of ingrained in my brain at a young age that there were always bigger problems than myself, and so it kind of made me feel insignificant and like my problems were not worth people's time. Um, and so growing up, I was always a very anxious kind of person, but I just convinced myself that it was normal, and I convinced myself that everybody was like that. Um, and then in middle school, I realized that wasn't exactly true. Um, so in sixth grade, I became like really close with this one girl who was having a lot of mental health issues. And I had previously kind of had my own mental health issues, but she opened me up to this whole world of like self-harm and suicide that as an 11 year old, I just didn't know existed. And so she definitely didn't cause my problems, but she kind of exposed me to unhealthy coping mechanisms and I think that's kind of where my true downfall really started I guess that sounds dramatic but um and so she was very not okay and so pretty much every night I would be convincing herself to not kill herself and trying to talk her out of harming herself and as an 11 year old that's a lot of responsibility to handle and that's not something that any 11 year old is equipped to deal with and so it kind of just, I was constantly surrounded by negativity and all I ever knew and all I ever talked about with my friends was suicide and self-harm and that's just not what an 11 year old should be thinking about. And so my entire life was just so consumed with this darkness and this negativity and soon I needed an outlet. And I was either, that I just felt so much pain inside that I didn't know how to express that outwardly. And so I tried to find a way to feel pain on the outside and so that's when I started self-harming and sometimes it was just that I was so numb I felt absolutely nothing that I needed to feel something um and so this whole cycle kind of kept going all throughout sixth grade and it almost became an addiction to me was just to feel something and I couldn't stop it um and so all throughout sixth grade this kept happening in seventh grade it got even worse which I didn't think was possible um, and I think it was sometime fall or winter of seventh grade, I sat down and I wrote a note and I just, I had convinced myself that the best thing I could do for everybody in my life, including myself, was to just die. Um, and so in this note, I still have it to this day. And I explicitly remember just saying, mom and dad, like it might suck now, but look down the road, like you're going to save money. You don't have to pay for my college tuition. You don't have to feed me anymore. Like in my head, all that I was in my parents' life was just money being spent. And I thought in my teacher's life, all that it was was just another paper to grade. 
and for my friends I was just like one last thing to worry about you don't even have to worry about it and for my siblings I just thought you know this is more attention that you get from our parents so I had in my brain I had completely convinced myself that this was the best thing I could do for everybody like it wasn't about me it was about everybody um and so I wrote that note and I was I had every intention to just take my own life and I was trying to consider what was the best way I could do that and I don't think I ever answered that question. I think that's why I didn't do it. But to this day, I still don't really know why I didn't. Um, but looking back, I'm glad I didn't, obviously. Um, so in seventh grade, I kind of spent my entire year just like consumed in this thought, like what's the best way I could go out? Because I had no purpose to be alive. Well, I felt like I didn't. Um, and in eighth grade, I felt like the people around me started getting more positive, but I personally did not. And so I felt like, what's wrong with me? Like, all the neg negative things in my life are going away. So, like, why am I still not okay? Um, and since everybody else was getting more positive, it made me feel like I had to hide my negativity more. And I kept telling myself, I was like, okay, just wait till high school. Like, high school's going to be a fresh start. You got this. Like, that's all you have to do. You just have to keep pushing for that. And um, so all throughout eighth grade, that's kind of what kept me going was the idea of this fresh start. Um, and so this is when my kind of cycle started, and so obviously it's a very rough cycle, but I would always be dealing with anxiety and depression together, but one was always typically stronger than the other. And so it was mostly anxiety throughout most of the year, but then in the winter time, it was just full force depression, and it kind of just consumed me, and then when spring came, it kind of just went back to anxiety. So I would feel like in the winter I would want to die the entire time but to me I was like you know no it's fine it's gonna go away in the spring like just deal with it suck it up um and so freshman year I was so excited I was like this is my fresh start and then I went to school the first day and I was so overwhelmed and just anxious and I was like I can't handle this new environment like I can't handle not having friends I just don't know what I'm doing and I remember the second I got off the bus and got my mom's car I was sobbing and I convinced myself, I was like, okay, first day sucked, like, the rest of high school is going to suck. This is not the first story I wanted. Like, there's no point. Like, I'm not waiting four more years to get to college. Like, I, it's over. Like, I'm done with it. Um, and I kept pushing through. I don't know how, but somehow it got better in freshman year. I think I was so just in my brain about finding new friends and making this perfect life that I had to have that I just forgot um, about the main issue is I wasn't focusing on my mental health that much anymore. And so it was almost like a nice kind of distraction, but it was a distraction. It wasn't a resolution. Um, and sophomore year kind of just was going through the cycle again. And it was just one of those things where I was like, yeah, it sucks. Like life sucks. That's just inevitable. But like, you just got to keep going because it's just how things work. Um, junior year, things went downhill, downhill. Um, and so... It was a year of a lot of sickness and injury for me, and I tried to keep pushing through, but I just kept missing school. And the people around me, I would, I tried to be very open about my mental health with the people around me, because I was like, you know, this is it, like, this is what I need to do. Um, but every time I did, I felt like it was being reduced down to a joke, and I felt like I would talk about how I was anxious, and people were like, oh yeah, I have panic attacks, like, I'm gonna have a panic attack because I don't want to take this test, and I just... It wasn't real. It was all a joke. And so I felt like everything that I was saying was just in their brain. I was just being overdramatic and it wasn't being real. But in reality, like I'd be sitting in class and I just have to start sobbing because like I just could not consume or could not 
handle my emotions. And all of junior year, like, I was not in school a lot, and everybody would always make fun of me for it, but it's, like, what they don't realize is that a lot of it was because I just could not get out of bed. And I could not keep going. Um, and so it was one of those things where, again, the winter was super, super hard, but I was like, no, it's fine, like, once spring comes around, it'll get somewhat better, like, you'll be okay, just get to the spring. And the spring came around, and nothing got better, if anything, it just got worse. And so I was just stuck in this place where, like, I was going through the motions. I don't remember having a single, like, genuinely happy moment because everything that I was thinking about, like, everything I did in a day, everything I said to people, I would stay up all night just overanalyzing it and be like, I hate myself. Why am I so awkward? Why did I say this like that? That per person probably thinks I'm so weird. And so I wouldn't sleep all day. I would just be overanalyzing. I couldn't focus on anything. I felt like I was in... A bubble I felt like I was not really there and I felt like I was just on this different planet and nobody understood me and I couldn't talk to people about it because in my head that would just make me a burden to other people and the last thing I wanted to do was burden people um and so it just continued and I thought you know maybe spring was rough but summer will be better and then it just wasn't um so I started going to counseling in the summer after junior year and I was like okay no this will work like it's fine but nothing changed and so the whole summer I was just completely numb like I just don't remember really feeling anything and especially in August like the entire month of August I pretty much spent the entire month laying in bed because I was just like I could not get up and people would be like oh you're so lazy oh all you want to do is sleep and I was like I would just take it but what they didn't realize was because I could not, like, find a purpose to live, and I couldn't find a purpose to get out of bed. And I was so terrified, because if I was in this horrible place in the summer, what was going to happen when I follow my normal cycle and just get worse in the winter? Because I was like, I, if I'm already at rock bottom, what happens when I get worse? And I was terrified. I was like, I refuse to go back to the place that I was in seventh grade. I don't want to die. I want to make it to college. Like, at this point, the one thing I was holding on to was college. So I tried to talk to my mom and the first day of senior year, I remember going to school and acting like everything was completely normal. And then I remember I drove home and I went to my mom's house and the second I walked in the door, I just started sobbing. And she was like, what's wrong? And like, of course, their first, my parents' first instinct is always, oh, like, is somebody bullying you? Was somebody mean to you? Did you get in a fight with somebody? And I was just like, you don't realize that this is, it has nothing to do with the people around me. It has nothing to do with school. It's all me. And I think that's hard for people to grasp. It's hard for me to grasp, but it's just kind of the reality of it is that people always try to blame mental illness on the things that are around you and not that it's just something going on in your brain. Um, and I just remember, I was so terrified. And I was just telling her, I was like, Mom, I'm so scared. You don't understand. Like, I need help. Um, and she kind of just swept it under the rug a little bit. She was like, okay, well, you're going to counseling. Like, that'll help. Like, you'll be fine. And I just don't think she truly understood how extreme it really was. And so... It was literally just this continuing cycle of, like, I would go through the motions and I would go to school and come home and I would hang out with friends and act like everything was okay. But in reality, I felt nothing. 
like I could be with my friends and I'd be laughing and smiling, but like I didn't feel joy. It was all just a face that I was making. Um, and I would come home and I'd just be completely blank. And my mom would be like, "Oh, did you have fun?" And I'd just be like, "No, I don't feel anything. Like, there's just no emotion. I'm just blank." And then in October, I think she kind of had a wake up call where. Um, I woke up in the morning and I was just having horrible panic attacks and I don't know why, but I was like, okay, we're just going to ignore it. Like it'll like, once I calm down, I'm going into school. And so I got ready and I went to school and I walked in and it was lunchtime. So I went and sat down at the lunch table and the second somebody turned to me and said a word, I just started sobbing again. And I went back to the office and I checked right back out and I called my mom and I was like, mom, I cannot go to school anymore. Like. I can't function as a human being. What do you want me to do? So we went to the doctor and we finally started trying some medication. And that was all that I really wanted because I think I had accepted before that it was more to do with the chemicals in my brain than anything else. It wasn't something that I could talk out. It wasn't something that I could alter my lifestyle and it would fix it. It was something that like legitimately just needed a scientific solution. And so it kind of started to help but my problem was that it then kind of put me on a level where it was i was either extremely over the top happy and hyper or i was completely numb and so i would have these really fun moments with my friends and i would be having fun and laughing and genuinely feel happy but then afterwards i would stop and be like wait was that actually genuine happiness or was that the medicine acting and i couldn't tell if i actually felt happy or not and so i kind of the anxiety kicked in again and I was overanalyzing everything and I was like, wait, is this real? Like, am I really me or is, is it something else? Is it the medicine acting? And on the contrast, like I would just be completely numb and I would be around people and I'd be at school and I would pretend like I was feeling something. I would pretend like I was feeling happy, but in reality, I couldn't, like my brain was shut off. I couldn't think I wasn't focusing on anything. I didn't have any emotion towards anybody. I felt like I was a brick wall. And um, I started working really hard in school, like December, January especially, and I kind of used that as a distraction. And I tried to just, I pushed down all of my emotion that I was feeling, all of the negative and all of the positive, and I turned into just this working robot. And at the time I was like, oh, this is great. I don't worry about anything anymore. but um, when you push something down, it tends to come back up. And so once all of my hard work kind of stopped, I hit a wall again. And I just had a complete breakdown where all of, like, the one thing that I had to suppress my emotions was gone. And so now it all came flooding back. And I was driving home from school. And I called my mom. And I was like, Mom, like, all I want to do right now is crash my car. And I was like, if I'm alone for another moment, I will hurt myself. And I was so terrified. Because this is the feeling that I was trying so hard to avoid for the past four years of my life. Um, and I was so, so scared. And so I forced my mom to come pick me up because I could not be alone. I was a threat to myself. And I forced her to sleep on my floor that night because I was like, I can't. Like, I just, if I, if you walk out of this room, I don't know what will happen. And so that was kind of a wake-up call for me that 
I kind of forced myself to believe that most of it was gone. Like, it was still always going to be there, but, the, like, the severity of it wasn't nearly as bad. And I was like, it's not going to be for the rest of my life. Like, I'm cured. Yay. Um, but I definitely was not. And I think that that made me realize that it's a constant battle. Like, mental health is always going to be a constant battle that you have to deal with. And it's, you might think that it's gone, and you might think that all of your problems are, like, okay now, but deep down... I think, for me at least, it's always going to be an underlying issue, and I can't just act like it's not there anymore. And it's something that I have to constantly address, and I have to be on top of, and it's not, like, I can't just act like it's not there, like, that's not going to work. And it's just going to make it worse. Um, and within this time, I had another friend who started going through some really difficult issues, and I'm the kind of person where everything I do, I have to be helping others. And it doesn't matter how it changes me. Um, but I kind of have put up this wall since seventh grade. And it's just anything that had to do with suicide and self-harm, I would completely shut down. So I wanted to help these people, but, like, I couldn't. I would, I was just, I would shut down. Like, I didn't know how to handle it because it was such a trigger for me. Um, and so I've been, like, to this day, I'm trying to handle how can I help other people while not jeopardizing my own mental health. And sometimes I feel bad. I'm like, oh, you're being selfish by prioritizing your own mental health. But then I realize I can't help other people if I am not here to do it, like, quite frankly. Um, and so it's just this constant battle that I have to learn how to help myself, which is so hard to do because I can't prioritize myself for anything. Um, and so, yeah, this is just my little reminder that no matter what, like, if you think that somebody's completely overcome all their problems, there's a likelihood that they haven't. And so it's something that consistently needs to be worked on. And that if your friend need help, needs help, um, you should prioritize yourself first because you can't help anybody if you can't help yourself first. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, I think this is a perfect example of every single person's mental health looks different. And when people see you crying at school or not coming to school, they probably think it's for this reason or that reason. Um, but it's a perfect example of you can never truly be sure of why someone is acting a certain way unless you know their whole story. Um, I think you could agree that a lot of people probably don't know your whole story and don't know why you do some of the things you do. And that's, that's a really hard place to be. Um, and when you're talking to other people and they don't understand and it only makes you feel a little bit worse, a lot of people don't understand mental illness if they've never been through it. And it's hard to really conceptualize what's going on for someone else if you've never felt those feelings. So what would you say would be the best way for others to help someone they know that has mental illness and talk to them in a way that would be helpful rather than hurtful? Um, I think one thing that would have helped me for other people to realize is that it's not about the things that are around me because every time I would tell somebody I'm feeling this way, they'd be like, oh, well, what made you upset? What's making you feel anxious? And I could never answer those questions. If anything, it just made me so frustrated that I didn't want to talk anymore because it wasn't about the things around me. It was about the things going on in my head. And so I think a lot of it is learning that you can't 
attribute all of your mental illness and other people's mental illness to external factors. Sometimes you just need to realize that it's something going on in somebody's brain and you need to address it like that. And there's no way you can really truly do that. But a lot of it is just asking how they feel or like what they're thinking about. It's not, hey, what's going on in your life right now? What's What are your friends doing? Um, I would address it more as a personal issue than a bigger issue going on with like everything in your life. These experiences have completely shaped the person that you've become. Since I started when you were in middle school, that's the time, as you say, you become a real human. Um, And that's where a lot of your personality is shaped, a lot of your decision making, you know, a lot about the person that you're going to become. So how would you say that these situations have made you the person that you are today? Yeah, I think that a lot of these situations kind of led to an identity crisis, I guess I would say that I had. Um, Because especially when I came to high school, I feel like everybody kind of had a preset idea of at least like what one of their personality traits was. Like somebody would be like, oh, I'm goofy. I like to read. I like doing this. And for me, it was just I knew nothing. Because my entire middle school years were solely depression and anxiety. Like, my only personality trait was that I was sad. And I convinced myself that this is who you are. You are a sad, you are a quiet person, you don't like to be around other people, and the only thing you like to do is sit in your room and be alone. And I convinced myself of that. But then I kind of started realizing, like, that's not true. But in my head, I was like, no, but this is who you are, so you have to act this way. And freshman year it was really hard because I was like trying to figure out I was like I want to hang out with people I want to be happy but then I was like no that's not who you are you're not allowed to do that um and so it's really hard for people who have these mental health issues as young kids because they can like they don't know who they are because they missed out on those first years of personality development due to these mental illnesses and so all throughout high school I feel like every year almost I feel like I've had a person a different personality because I've been trying to figure out what do I like to do? Who am I? Am I a loud, goofy person? Am I a quiet, shy person? And I just, I had no clue. And so every year I've kind of just been trying to experiment. Like, does this feel right? Am I forcing this? Like, who am I truly? And so I don't really know how it's shaped me in a, like other than the fact that it just has made me confused. It's just completely skewed my reality of who I am and also how I view other people and how I view the world. And so it's really hard to kind of move past that. But I feel like this year, actually, no, not like because this year, whenever I'm having fun, I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm that goofy person I want to be. But then I'm like, wait, actually, is this the medicine or is this just me? So I don't really know how it's shaped me. If anything, it's just made me confused. Yeah, and that's that's totally okay too. These situations have created a new normal for you. I think that every single year you've had a new normal. Um, And it's a perfect example of how your story with mental illness never ends. It's always changing and new layers are coming up that make things more complicated for you. So this normal, I feel like you really haven't had a normal in your life in seventh grade has been different than now and now will be different the next year and that's a hard thing to deal with when you never have a base you never have this version of yourself where you can look back and be like okay that's who I am that's when I feel normal 
So it's hard to figure out when you don't feel right or when you don't feel like yourself. All the time you don't feel like yourself and you can't figure out where to go next. And that is so hard. So you have this new type of normal and can you kind of give a little bit more about what your new normal is now? Yeah. Um, so basically all throughout my life, like, I convinced myself that my mental illness was normal because I found that's the only thing that has been consistent all throughout my life because my family situation has constantly been changing. My friends are constantly changing. My extracurricular is always changing. Um, and so I've kind of defined myself by my mental illness because that's the only thing that's normal to me. It's the only thing that I've been able to consistently hold on to and it's not something that I've wanted to hold on to but it's always there um so for this year I've found a group of people that I feel like have really made me feel like myself and though I still have doubts about who what myself really is I feel the most myself with them that I have ever before and so I think I'm kind of becoming like coming into my own normal and it's that I like to have fun I like to be carefree and I like to I don't have to always abide by a strict schedule that my anxiety makes in my head um and so this year's normal has been fun and it's just hard for me to not doubt is that actually normal or am I forcing that based off of the people I'm around so um I've had so much like I've had some of the happiest moments of my life this year and I like to think that that will become my new normal but also I just always have these sporadic breakdowns where it all just hits again. And I think, am I even allowed to have a happy normal? Or is my normal always just going to be my, my mental health issues? So in the future, even though right now it seems like you don't know where to go and you're kind of struggling with your identity and with what you want to do next, what's one thing that you're looking forward to in the future? Um, yeah, so obviously my answer would be college, but I feel like I can elaborate a little bit more on that. Um, so like I said earlier, the one thing that has always been constant in my life is mental illness, and everything else has been changing. And I think that college might kind of be that constant for me. And so kind of just living in one place, because I've been moving around a lot, and like, just living in one place and having this set group of people that I feel comfortable with, and finally kind of creating... A normal for myself where I can just live in this one place and have not necessarily a set routine but just things that I like to do like I'm just hoping that I'll get to college and I'll find the people I want to be around and I'll find the things I like to do and I'll be able to know what those are and I'll be able to hold that constant in my mind um and so I'm hoping that that will kind of give me something to identify with other than just my mental health um so I just need something that is constant and something that I can kind of use to shape my identity other than what I have now. And I'm hoping that college will provide me with those opportunities and the people that I need to be able to do that. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, it is the perfect reminder that mental illness never stops and everyone's mental illness looks different. And I want to thank you for being honest about the realities of mental illness because a lot of times in school we're taught, you know, a mental health lesson or given 
a hotline to call if we're feeling a certain type of way, but that isn't always the answer because mental illness is so complex and it affects every single thing that we do, every single way that we act. And a lot of times it's hard for people to understand that. And I hope that the listeners can hear this real and raw account of mental illness and think about it the next time they see someone crying in school or they don't understand why someone is acting a certain way. Um, And I know that your story will open a lot of eyes to the realities of mental illness. So thank you.